0: Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to The Ray Taylor Show, where I bring you the reviews on the latest movies and TV shows, as well as classic and foreign films. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and on this podcast, I'll be talking about all things film and television. Whether you're looking for a new show to binge or want to know if that blockbuster is worth the trip to the theater or just want to hear my thoughts on a classic or foreign film, I've got you covered. So join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes and let's dive into the world of film and television together. On today's episode, I am finally talking about John Wick Chapter 4 as I've been reviewing every movie in the John Wick franchise leading up to this. This one came out this year. For some reason, it feels like it came out last year, but maybe it's just because I've been waiting. It feels like I've been waiting forever to finally watch this. Directed by Chad Stileski, written by Shay Hatton, Michael Finch, and Derek Kolstad, starring Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, Bill Skarsgård, Donnie Yen, uh, Shamir Shamir Anderson, and Hiroyuki Sanada who's in a movie, not only this movie, but in uh, Royal Warriors, which I'll be reviewing on Friday. Uh, But John Wick, in this movie, John Wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table, but before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes. I would say... This is, has to be, I mean, the franchise is amazing, but this has to be one of the best action movies. Just one of the best, I mean, the franchise in general, probably one of the best action franchises. A franchise of movies where each movie tries to, and successfully one-ups the previous movie, doing things that we've never seen in the franchise before doing things that quite frankly i don't know if i've ever seen now i'm sure a lot of these things have been done to one extent or the other uh there are definitely a lot of homages and references in these movies to other great action movies great films in general which this one is no different in doing but they keep going up and up and up as far as the the crazy things they're willing to do new things they're willing to do the background story of it all with the high table the whole assassin kind of world building that's been going on in many ways kind of falls apart in this movie or is at least like severely just kind of overlooked in a lot of ways like there's a situation where it's just like instead of what seemed like a society built on very strict rules just kind of throws that all to the side in order to allow kind of crazier things to happen but aside from that uh like it does so many new things the action is so cool i could kind of care less about whatever issues i may have with the background story the kind of scaffolding that's holding this this movie together giving me reasons giving these characters reasons to fight each other and for john wick to constantly try and survive uh a great movie obviously i would highly recommend it i definitely this is like like i said i don't know of a franchise action movie or otherwise that seems to just get better with each movie And I love the first John Wick movie. It definitely feels like... And I believe the director changed. Like, the first movie was co-directed. And then from the second movie on, what has been this director. And you can kind of feel that. Where it definitely has less of the grounded feel. It's definitely grounded. But there's things that happen. Like, there's no way John Wick would survive all of these things that have been happening to him right At the end of the last movie being shot off of the bill bu- falling off of that building he wouldn't survive There's so many things getting hit by so many cars and things it, it has become kind of a cartoon like with very grounded elements to it but i i don't care i'm all for it and it allows them to do crazier and crazier things Uh, so i i love this franchise and i i don't know of a franchise that has done what it's done so many franchises kind of they dip they don't get as good they kind of lose their way in some ways uh some are hits or misses where this one it just keeps getting better and better and uh i'm so glad i finally got to watch this one Uh, So let me kind of do uh, just my brief thoughts on it and then I'll get into spoilers. But before spoilers, uh, you know, in this movie, a lot of the rules, as I said, and structure of the kind of operations of the assassin society are subverted. uh, But it does things with the action in general that I've never seen. Right. Every movie introducing you to something new. Uh, The difficulty of many, if not all, of these action sequences in this movie is at the highest... Like, to do something new in the action genre is difficult. And I think, in general, these movies have done that. But even the constant one-upping and the complexities of these action sequences is, like, it's insane. Like, it's one thing to have a drama where there are long takes where you're following characters, many characters are involved. And it's quite another thing when you have long takes involving, like, constant combat of people attacking your main character, multiple characters, kind of having all of those things choreographed in these long scenes, shot in new ways, is just it's just mind-blowing we also go all over the place in this movie we start in the desert of jordan go to the continental in osaka japan we fight there's fights in the streets of paris so we get to go even more places in this movie see another continental which is always fun to see how each continental has a new look and each film is so steeped in beauty so much beauty in these movies Right. From the locations to the sets, these amazing sets that are built like geez large, so many like especially this movie, it really takes advantage of like these large sets, high ceilings, extravagant looking, the wardrobe of all of the different characters and how they are. They look so different and so specific to kind of their characters and how that is followed through the entire series. Just so much attention to detail in making things look amazing. Uh, In addition to the fighting looking amazing. Everything very beautiful and stylish, right? All of that reflected in the action as well. Just as much attention that is paid to the wardrobes of these characters is paid to the fighting styles, the fi- the way fights are shot, the action that happens within the fights everything, there's so much attention to detail in this movie, it's amazing there's elements of classic action movies, kung fu movies, samurai films, B movies right, along with the epic edition of Donnie Yen probably my favorite character in The entire franchise is Donnie Yen's character in this. So much fun. Would love to see spinoffs of just his character. Give me prequels. Give me spinoffs. Let me see what happens next. Easily could see him taking over the franchise if that's a direction they ever wanted to do. An amazing character. So much fun. So much fun. And so badass. In his very specific way. Like so amazing. Which I'll get into all that in spoilers for sure. But absolutely love his character uh this movie despite being almost three hours long i think it's a non-stop ride it's so justifiable like there's a scene here and there there's a poker scene that could have done without but the director really wanted to put a poker scene in one of his movies and it seemed like a good way to good time to put one in i guess so it works enough and it would have only cut out like i don't know 20 minutes out of the movie but i i didn't mind the runtime at all this is an epic movie right this is the fourth movie in a crazy franchise of action movies and this one definitely has the most capital e epic feel to it so having an epic runtime like almost three hours is i i feel pretty justifiable And also great kind of bad guy, not only bad guy like the main bad guy, but also a lot of just kind of great antagonists that are after John as well. Because in all these movies, there's kind of the ringleader type of a guy, and then there's the people that are hired to try and get John Wick. I love all that stuff, but let me do get into spoilers so I can talk about specifics. So from here on out, spoilers, you have been warned. Uh, You have the opening with the homeless king giving like this monologue as he's walking through these tunnels with the dog, uh, with John's dog, bringing John his suit as John's punching some post that's wrapped with wood. At the end of the last film, they're they're talking about how pissed off they are and how they can't wait to kill everybody on the, the high table. Right. So kind of an epic start to this very kind of poetic start to this movie and then cut to him in the desert on a horse chasing after guys shooting guys and it's like the first time in this movie where it really feels like John is the hunter and not just the one being hunted in all the other movies aside from you know the i guess the the second movie or the first movie he is hunting going after a specific guy um and then kind of subsequent films he's kind of just trying to survive and get away but this one definitely feels like he's out to to get people um and the new guy which i don't know if it's just because they cast somebody new uh but the guy who john in the last movie cuts his finger off and offers his his wedding ring as tribute or whatever It's a different guy cast in that role. And there is a line that is said that he took over. So, I don't know, maybe it was casting. And then just in the script, they they put that line in to justify it. But, of course, he gets got, which is a great, great moment. Kind of to start this to show, like, John is just... He's not there to play by their rules anymore. He's there to just get rid of all of them. There's also an older guy in this movie... That has like a scar on his face. He's also got a, f- a finger cut off, right? Like ring finger cut off. So like I don't know if he was the John Wick before John Wick. He's called the Harbinger. He goes to the Continental, uh, and he goes to tell the Continental that it's being condemned, and they gives him an hour to get everybody out, right? And that the high table we find at the high table signed over power. To decide the fate of the Continental, right? So all of the rules and structure and system, like the high table has just washed their hands of all that and signed over the power to this guy, the uh, Marquis, who is kind of the ringleader, the big bad guy that's kind of coordinating all of these things. Which is just, you know, in the last movie, it was the adjudicator that's kind of going to handing out all of the punishments for everybody that helped John Wick. And now it's a similar thing, but instead of going through the system that has been in place and established, it is just signed off. And since they did that, like, it seems like things, instead of having to be processed, like just things at a snap of a finger, things can just happen. Continentals can be... uh, People can be excommunicadoed. Uh Continentals can be uh, deconsecrated just instantly because a guy said so. Which is kind of a bummer. Especially since I spent so much time really focusing and trying to understand the system that is in place. Regardless, Continental, blown up. Not completely blown up. Structurally, it's still there. But internally, it's it's just uh it's wrecked right so the continental still punished because john wick survived right winston's like well i shot him though he's like yeah but he survived so it just small things that are just like well that doesn't they're just kind of doing the same thing from the last movie winston's excommunicado now Right. And they, because he's excommunicado, he's no longer in, he's no longer a manager of any continental. He has no need for a concierge. So they kill Sharon, which is sad because the actor is actually dead and it's a very unceremonious end to his character as well. Uh, pretty brutal. The blind guy played by Johnny, Johnny Yen. Johnny Yen. Am I saying that right? donnie yen right donnie yen kane love kane he's ordered to kill john wick or they kill his daughter right like there's the scene she's playing the violin or whatever and he's looking at a locket looking at he's holding a locket that has a picture of her in it so, you know, kind of uh, do this or, you know, we take out your daughter kind of a thing. And we find out that he's got uh, a connection with John Wick. I mean, they're both at the, the height of their, their game. They're both the elite in, in this world. Uh, so, of course, they know each other. They have a lot of respect for each other. And it's amazing. Like, we're at the the whole action set piece, the whole everything that happens at the Osaka Continental uh, where John Wick, now his contract is up to $18 million. Continental in Osaka has a very similar glass room where they have all of the kind of warrior things on display similar to the Continental in New York. Uh, the manager of the Osaka Continental is like a brother to John Wick and has a meeting with them. They haven't uh, seen each other in a long time. for the show and make a great gift for any fan plus with each purchase you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content so don't wait head on over to Inspiredisorder.com now and check out the full collection thanks for listening and we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some ray taylor show merchandise today and now let's get back to the show and of course as everything everywhere john wick goes anybody he talks to anybody that helps john out bad things happen to it as we've seen with the continental in new york now like it very much seems like a lot of the the plot of this movie is similar in some ways to the last movie but just a different like they're going they're going more hardcore this time but they're still going after everybody that does anything to help john wick that does anything but try to kill john wick and even if you do like you're winston and he survives you still lose everything And we kind of find out during this whole Osaka thing, the kind of the power that the Marquise has where he can just in- de- instantly deconsecrate the Continental. Right. Just things are done on the fly versus the previous movies where there was a clear system in place. And in some ways, the, the movie's doing a lot of the same things as I said as the last one did. But instead of the adjudicators, the Marquise; instead of the sushi ninjas that are after John, it is the it is Kane, as well as like the high table guys. Like there's these high table guys that there's a clear leader of that group as well that are going into Osaka and fight the the people that work at that Continental. Which he's the lead guy for the, the high table people, thugs, or the Marquise's thugs, whoever. Pretty badass as well. There's a, when that fight first pops off, he gets a, a arrow in his forearm. Kind of doesn't affect him whatsoever. Uh, effortlessly avoiding attacks from the Osaka Continental Guards. And they have their upgraded soldiers, right, that are are bulletproof. You have to shoot them in the specific places. Otherwise, it's just like they're, they don't even, it's not even like they get hit anymore. It's just they walk right through bullets. And so far, all of the other managers that run Continentals know how to fight. Like Halle Berry's character clearly knows how to fight. The guy in Osaka knows how to fight. Winston seems like the only guy. His concierge definitely knew how to fight. Sharon knew how to fight, but great fight in the uh Osaka by not only the manager but all the the guys. It's very samurai ask type stuff. Um and you finally you see how Kane fights being blind, setting up like these doorbells. There's like this cartoonish like wind up uppercut that he does. He's like Slick and cool and just, like, somehow has this ability to be ultra precise while also clearly not being able to see. And then there's moments when it's not fighting where he's kind of bumbling a little bit. A great character. So much fun. The daughter of the manager, who is also the the concierge for that uh, Continental, she is awesome, too. Kind of has like this a squirrel running around, uh, like weaving through the legs of the the guys using bows and knives, stabbing this guy as he's trying to climb up the stairs. Right, she's kind of like crawling up, stabbing him like twenty times. There's also great nunchuck fight with Keanu Reeves gets these nunchucks and the way that's used up in the kind of display room, amazing. And where John and Kane f- kind of sh- f- fight each other in that same display room, amazing. Just c- so good. And seeing the behind-the-scenes videos for this movie, seeing that how that character was developed, Kane, how the input that Donnie Yen brought to the character, how he wanted to change that kind that kind of character that exists in many martial arts movies the the blind assassin and making him way cooler and also helping with the the choreography and kind of doing a lot of that choreography and a lot of the figuring out of the fights in real time while they're filming instead of right playing jazz as he likes to put it amazing amazing seeing them fight Uh, there's also, in addition to Kane, there is this character, Nobody, who's this black dude who has a dog, same type of dog that Halle Berry's character had, and he kind of shows up and he has this, like, sketchbook where he keeps track of, like, all the other assassins. He has sketches of them. He has sketches of all the different symbols and what they mean. Like, somebody that's really studied this world. Uh, which would be interesting to see if they put out that sketchbook as like, uh, you know, a fun thing that you could buy that is kind of like the encyclopedia of this world. Very cool. And in a lot of ways, the contract goes up to two mi- $20 million. A lot of ways, he is similar to the Willem Dafoe character in the first John Wick, where he helps protect John Wick because he's trying to get the price tag up on him like he he's somebody that like in the first one of Defoe's character who is contracted to take John out sees that other people are also trying to take him out so they lied about his contract being exclusive so to help John not only survive these other attacks but specifically to survive those attacks because the the they want the contract and in this case he wants that he has a number in mind that he wants that contract to get up to so he's just trying to help trying to help John survive to just get that money up which i it's a, I, I find to be an interesting the character himself kind of almost doesn't need to be in it, but he is an interesting character very unique, not only having a the dog but also he is his vibe is so different where everybody else is wearing suits very clean this guy is like more of a a wanderer like he you know like he's going on a he's backpacking through you know the world and uh while doing that he's also doing these contracts he's a very unique type of person within this world but ultimately doesn't add much to the overall story Um, you also have uh, Kane versus the manager that kind of fight at the end where it's like he doesn't want him to do this but the manager being like a brother to John you know wanting to not wanting to give up very sad but a great sword fight nonetheless. Uh, and he allows the daughter to live. Kane allows the daughter to live. And expects that she will have revenge. Which the there is a post-credit scene in this that kind of is her about to go get revenge. We don't see how that plays out at the very end. But would love to see maybe them see how that scene turns out. Maybe they are part of the next movie, who knows. And it's like all of this stuff, none of this stuff would have happened. All these all this death would have happened if this spoiled rich piece of shit in the first movie who just wanted a car and killed a dog, if that kid didn't do anything, if Vigo's son didn't do anything, then John just would have stayed retired. But because of that event, all of these people are are being killed. All of these people are being killed in the in an effort to kill John. The scene where the black dude meets with where nobody meets with Marquise wanting to get that contract up to twenty five million. Well he wants it to be twenty-five to find him as a finder's fee and another twenty five. Uh, for his 401k after he kills him right he's trying to get 50 i think 50 is the the number he's looking for and it seems like they land on 23 million but then you have this moment which i was not expecting where the marquis feels like a prep you know prim proper rich kid whatever not not a guy that likes to get his hands dirty let's say and he stabs the hand of nobody in this negotiation when he's trying to get the the money up did not take and he's like you can either take the knife out or you can remove your hand which like splitting your hand which i don't know that's so crazy that the trend of people's hands being split i've seen that in so many movies recently but of course he chooses to take his hand away and it's it's uh, a brutal scene but kind of shows that the marquise is willing to get his hands dirty and is, you know, willing to do to violence in, in situations. So the whole plot, the whole, like, loophole that he comes up with, that uh, Winston comes up with, is to challenge the Marquise to a duel, right? But he can only do that if he is nominated by a member of the high table, which he's no longer his family the Belarusians have a seat at the high table, but he's no longer part of that family as they tore his ticket in the last one. So he has to go back and patch things up with his family, right? Because they're a a member of the high table. And then if he does that, then they can nominate him to duel the guy. And if he duels the guy and wins, then he can ask for whatever he wants, right? It's the way only way out of this situation. And it's cool when he walks into the church or whatever, of the Belarusians, that it seems like he still has that old revolver that he put together using different pieces of revolvers at the beginning of the last movie. Pretty cool. So to do this, he has to go kill this bad guy that's wearing a fat suit, right? But which we see this poker game where he goes to meet him. And we see that it's not only John Wick, but Kane is there, nobody's there, and they play a pretty worthless poker game, which is not really a poker game when you're not really, when betting's not involved. It's just like, who's got the better hand? Let's give each other five cards. And, like, they progressively have better hands as they're showing what they have. Like, John Wick has two pair, I think. Kane had, like, a a flush or something like that. Or four of a kind. And uh, nobody had a royal flush. And then it's like, well, nothing beats a royal flush. But then you have the guy who's dealing... The, ba- the bad guy. The fat guy with the fat suit on. Has a five of a kind. Which is just like... Probably the dumbest scene in any John Wick movie. Where he's like, oh, I got a five of a kind. ha ha ha. ha. Right. Leads to an amazing fight scene in this place where you have another like dance club fight where people don't even notice that there's fights going on as they're dancing in like this these massive waterfalls like the set is amazing of like these like walls of water that people that are in this giant space so amazing john using one of the cards from the poker thing to try and slit the dude's throat and then throws it at Another dude in the eye. Pretty amazing. You, There's a moment where Kane throws a flash grenade to blind everybody. Like, welcome to my world, bitches. Amazing. And, of course, you have nobody's dog doing amazing things as well as those dogs uh, tend to be in these movies. Uh, the fat dude, amazing kicks, right? It's it's uh, kind of that Sammo Hung type of a, a vibe, but... Clearly a dude in a fat suit instead of just A big guy that knows how to move Um, Like they could have gotten somebody like Roy Nelson like actual Fat combat fighters People that actually can do Pretty crazy things or like even uh, uh, Derek Lewis That's a big dude that can throw some kicks And can move fast Um, So after he does that To get the seal or whatever from the Belarusians They do the The thing that you see in martial arts movies where you have to like burn your arm on a hot pot. Pretty great. Uh, So he gets the duel. And there's the scene where they negotiate the stakes of the duel. Uh, If John wins, he's free and the New York Continental is rebuilt and reconsecrated and Winston reappointed as the manager. Right. So that's what happens if John wins. Right. He gets what he wants to be free, and also Winston gets what he wants to be back where he was. And if John loses, then not only does John die, but also Winston will die with him. Right. So those are those are the terms. And there's the scene where they set the rules of like the time and location weapons where they're flipping over these like these tiles, these decorative tiles, which beautiful fits with you know the markers and the coins and the whole world of this uh but a very weird and it's like they're doing high cards so whichever one has the higher number they get to decide by flipping these tiles over and uh the marquis of course isn't gonna fight he's he appoints kane to do the dueling for him and uh they choose the next morning they choose the location Um, And no quarter, right? So no, like, to the death, there's there's no mercy rules in this. Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to promote, are you looking for a way to take your love of the Ray Taylor show to the next level? look no further than Inspire Disorder Plus. As a member, you'll get access to a whole host of amazing perks, including the full week of shows, ad-free in both audio and video versions, a live painting archive, early access to the many faces, members-only discounts and deals, a podcast back catalog with over 600 episodes. But that's not all. As a member, you'll get access to my personal blog as well as my creative writing. You'll also get the chance to ask me anything you want with all of these benefits and more inspired disorder plus is a must have for any fan of the ray taylor show so don't wait go sign up now head on over to inspired and start enjoying all of the amazing perks of the membership and now let's get back to the show so now the whole thing is john has to just survive to sunrise He has to be at this place at sunrise. If he's not at that place where the duel is supposed to take place at sunrise, then he will be executed. Him and Winston will be executed for not showing up. Same thing with Kane and the Marquise, right? So it is now John trying to survive and get to this place by sunrise, which is amazing. Contract is now up to 26 million. And they have like they're in Paris and they have this radio broadcast that's contacting all of the so instead of getting te- the, like we had the system in the previous one where when the contracts get created, they get written on a board and then text messages get pushed out to everybody who is available in this one. It throws all of that stuff away and it's just some radio DJ. You know, in between songs telling these these assassins like, hey, John Wick is out there. You got to get him. This is where we last saw him. But it's insane fights. You get John asking the homeless king for a gun. He has this 9mm pit viper gun or whatever. Only one gun, of course. And he's going through the streets of Paris. He gets his muscle car. The car gets doors uh, torn off. There's some Carfu that we saw in the the two films ago, a lot of drifting and shooting, which is amazing. Like, uh, not only in the rave, but also in these traffic fights, like people act like they don't see these this fighting going on, like. Everybody else in the world that's not an assassin is just going about their day as if there's not assassins just destroying each other in the streets. John Wick and the lead guy from the Marquise throwing each other into oncoming cars. The fight in traffic is insane. It is insane. Dodging cars while they're fighting, just absolutely amazing. There's also a scene where nobody is like, Negotiating his deal with the Marquise as he's kind of helping John, but also staying close enough to John so when he does get to the number he wants that he can just take him out, right? And he gets the number to 35 million. Now it's up to 40 million. But it goes up to everybody at 40 million. So it's like he's not only getting it up for himself, but the number's up for everybody. So it's even bringing more people out. And it's all taking place, like, the traffic stuff, then it goes to, like, this old building. And it is, John gets this gun that, like, shoots fire almost. It, like, it it's like a shotgun, but it, like, leaves, it, like, shoots out sparks and, like, leaves, it, it is visually amazing. And not only is it visually amazing on its own, but we then get this, like, top-down, almost, like, video game look of John going room to room with this gun, taking people out. It is the most, and seems like to be, a continuous take. Obviously, I'm sure there was digital stitching, but amazing scene that I, like, not only was the fights inside traffic insane, but now we have this, like, top-down video view of this crazy-looking gun that's shooting, like, magic fire at people. Amazing. Amazing. Amazed. That whole scene is amazing. Then you have John fighting nobody, uh, but he ends up protecting nobody's dog, which is one of many scenes where the respect that John has for these people, the professional courtesy that he has, knowing that he has an opportunity to take things out and kind of does helps them in the very specific moments, and how that affects them and then is on his side is amazing and in this moment when he's fighting and he helps save the dog i think is that moment where nobody's like okay i can't like now i I have to i'm on his side now but then you have john jumping out of the building and landing on this van outside which is very reminiscent of the end of the last movie where he's falling off the 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 continental the new york continental onto the ground and just like there's no way he would survive that but of course he does not only does he survive it he's like not done yet right he still has to get to the the location which requires him to go up this massive this mountain of stairs and of course everybody's coming out it's such a great scene When he finally gets to the top or close to the top, he ends up getting kicked down by Marquise's guy, going rolling all the way back down that mountain of stairs, only to have to go back up, only having a few minutes left. Kane showing up and knowing that if John doesn't make it, then he's just going to be killed. And Kane needs him there so he can have his daughter free so Cain helps John which is an amazing scene not only is it amazing there's this moment where he has to pay John back for something I forget exactly what it was and he stabs him in the hand with his sword and it's just like they're casually walking and he just like flips his sword and pokes his hand and it's just like it shows just another aspect of how amazing Cain is that like he has the sense of where everything is spatially, despite the fact that he can't see. And he can so he's so accurate with the sword and just the flurries that he does with the sword. It is amazing. I absolutely love that character. So Kane helps him get up. Nobody helps as well. He shoots the Marquise's dude, uh, you know, as he does. You see Kane using a pencil to stab a dude a bunch of times, which is pretty amazing. Because he remembered he can't kill him, the Marquise's dude, so he just stabs him a bunch of times. But nobody and the dog end up getting uh, revenge on Marquise's dude for throwing the dog into uh, a car and then almost shooting him. And then a great moment where the dog pees on his head is absolutely hilarious. And, of course, this movie ends with, like, a legitimate duel, which is kind of the... I mean, the duel itself is a very ritualistic form of combat, which is very much the theme of John Wick, the world of John Wick. Aside from this movie where a lot of the rituals and and rules get thrown out the window, it is very much what John Wick, this... this combat that's steeped in like ritual and rules and things and in that moment there's like where Kane and him are going back and forth they're shooting and you know winging each other shooting each other in like the arm or the side or whatever and there's the final shot where I noticed John didn't shoot I'm like he didn't even shoot and he gets shot but he's not dead Right, he's still like, he's on the ground, not doing good, and the Marquise is like, oh, I'll finish it, right? His ego is like, okay, Kane did everything, now I can get the, I want it, my ego needs for me to get the recognition for being the one who killed John Wick, right? So I'm going to be the one to do it, and as he approaches John Wick, Winston reminds him that John didn't shoot, like he wasn't paying attention. And then John is able to take him out. I think was amazing. Was amazing loophole for John to win it all. To kill to kill the uh the Marquise. Followed all of the rules. Like the the bearded guy was there, kind of the rule keeper of everything. It's pretty great. I was laughing. Nobody is sitting there with his dog laughing. I was laughing along with him. Great end. Uh, and then, you know, there's the scene John takes his belt off and like the clips fall and he just kind of passes out on the steps and you cut to a tombstone. Right. But I already knew there was a tox for John Wick five, which doesn't necessarily mean John is alive. But there's also a moment where it's Winston and the homeless king or, you know, looking at John's tombstone that's right next to his wife's. And you see there's a moment where the dog, John's dog, looks over at something. You never see what the dog looks at. But it seems as though the dog noticed somebody that's still alive. And uh, so it could be like a way in which John is having everybody think that he didn't survive so he doesn't have to deal with whatever happens if the high table decides that they're still going to go after him or whatever just to give him another layer of protection now that he's out. Or he could actually be dead. And that scene with the dog is just confusing. Like, why would they put a scene where the dog clearly gets distracted and looks at something? And we don't see the something. We never see John dead, aside from him passing out on the steps. So I think there's a lot... He could potentially be there. They could hand the series off to... I mean, it would be tough being called John Wick, but I would love to see Kane more. Would love to see nobody more as well. Who knows? And there is the post-credit scene where you see the uh, the daughter of the concierge from the Osaka concierge uh, going to get revenge on Kane. Um, but the, in the scene, like, she the knife shoots out and makes a noise and you know how aware this guy is so we don't see you see the the knife come out but then it cuts away and you don't see what happens and it it can't be good it can't be good i'm sure there's fighting that happens who knows i love it great great movie uh Just a great action movie. Each character, everything, everybody had a very unique style to them, trying new things, right? The fighting and traffic was amazing. The top-down view inside that old building was amazing. Great new characters. Kane, by far my favorite character in the whole series. Uh, Nobody and his dog is great as well. Uh, especially him negotiating his contract while on the hunt Uh, has had similarities to willem Dafoe's character in the first movie Uh, as i said kane very amazing comedic blind assassin stumbling at moments but so amazing in combat and so unique in combat as well Uh, unexpected deaths didn't expect trone to get killed Right. But still, I mean, he's a character that the actor is no longer alive. So. Uh, John's death, very ambiguous, um, with the dog looking away in that one moment. Right. Like as if he saw his owner. So very much John could still be alive. Uh, you know, the story took us to Japan and France and George took us all over uh, a lot of great fights in, in all the locations, uh, The contract for John got up to $40 million, you know. Initially, what was it, like a million in the first movie? Ended in a very fitting way for this movie, right? Great loophole, so everyone wins except for the Marquise, uh, who I thought was a great villain, right? Right balance. They had a great balance of, like, being a weasel, but also being forceful when needed, right? Stabbing nobody's hand wasn't expecting that. And I'm excited to see the TV series of the Continental. I saw a like clip from an episode that uh, was part of the special features of this movie. And it seems like that clip anyway, was from the 70s. So I don't know if it's this Continental uh, series is a prequel to the Continental, what it was like for Assassins in the 70s, maybe when Winston first started as manager at that continental possibly either way i'm anything that comes out that's close to this movie that's associated with this franchise i'm all for and also whatever they come up with for john wick 5 uh stoked stoked for that whenever it does come out Uh, And I want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode of The Ray Taylor Show. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4. Don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for more movie and TV show reviews. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder. Until next time, enjoy the show. Subscribe to The Ray Taylor Show on YouTube and everywhere podcasts are found. Binge the full week ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus.